Good morning. It's the end. You all know that. Well, the end of this year. I mean, I mean, this will be the last sermon this year. Unless you listen to somebody else this afternoon. So here we are at the end, right? I have to warn you before I pray and we send kids downstairs. There are times when sermons come pretty easy. And, and I, I, I study and I do the, do the things I need to do. And they, the, the words just, you know, the Holy Spirit just kind of, yeah, there we go. That'll preach. This is not one of those today. This has been very difficult. I've been working on this for weeks. And at one point I, I, I just said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And I just started writing. And I started writing thoughts and ideas. And, and it's just, blah, blah, blah. I'm going, yeah, that'll preach. That'll, that's good. That goes, no. And I got done and I looked at the number of words because I use that to, to know how long it's going to be. So we'll be here for two and a half hours. <laughs> so then I had to go, okay, now what do I do? What in the world am I going to do? And what drives that is I, I, I just, this whole thing about this church is incredible. This is awesome. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and, and see what God does. Father, I thank you that you love us. That you sent your son to die for us. And I thank you that you are supreme. You are so much in control. That your, your love is unsurpassable and your goodness is so great. Holy Spirit, stir us up to be the people of God. I thank you, Father God, that you've brought the body of Christ together this morning and, and we fellowship together and we build one another up and, and, and we're here, Father God, to, to glorify you and to raise the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that as, as this part of the body of Christ, we come together and we have so many things going on that it's incredible. And I also thank you, Father, that we have opportunity to pass the greatness and the goodness of the Word of God on to the next generation. And as the children go downstairs this morning, I ask that you would fill them with awe and expectation and wonder as they, they are taught and as they worship. And I ask that you would be with the adults and the helpers. I thank you, Father God, that you have truth. And we all need that truth. Thank you for what goes on here this morning. Be with us. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would stir us up and that, that you would use these words, that they, they wouldn't just be something that I came up with, but they would be empowered by you, that you would transform us and change us into a, a people, a people of God. Thank you for this time this morning. In Christ's name. Amen. Children, you may be excused. <clears throat> this is the end of this year, okay? And um, I was talking with people after the last service, and 
as this one began and people are coming and there's quite a few of us who don't bother with staying up till midnight anymore. Because I, I make it to 10 and I'm about good, right? This is also a time when, when people, we, we just, we start thinking about what has been and what could be. And, and um, so, somebody goes, so uh, now we start losing weight. Okay, well that never works out all that good for me. But we have an opportunity all the time to look forward and we have an opportunity all the time to look back. And this is today a really, really good time for FBC to look back and to look forward. And that's what I really want us to do today. Looking back can be dangerous. Because what we see when we look back can become fuel for fear. It's easy to do that. We, we have examples of this from the Word of God. We, we have examples of this in the history of Israel. If you remember, if you go back in, in, in uh, the Bible to, to that history, God miraculously delivered Israel from Egypt. That was incredible, right? They began this journey away from Egypt, and the Egyptians are, are coming after them. And the, the people became fearful. They're, they're scared that the Egyptian army's coming after them. And they're kind of trapped. The army's coming behind them, and there's the Red Sea. And the people moved by fear. They, they come to Moses, and, and, and they tell him what they're feeling like. And, and they said this, it, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than, the, than to die in the wilderness. Another time, the people were grumbling because they grew tired of, of eating manna. Now, I, and this just messes with my head because here's manna. It, it shows up overnight as the dew falls. Here's manna. I mean, it's an absolute incredible miracle from God showing up every day to sustain them. And they're going, we're tired of that. And they say this. Numbers eleven six. we remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. They're only looking at it as, what? Come on, God provided that. They really had a, a, a fearful way of looking at things when they look back. The result of looking back to escape God's plan is not good. And the nation of Israel did this. And they, in result, the result of that looking back and, and missing it was that they would wander and suffer in the wilderness for 40 years. Only Caleb and Joshua, only two men would actually go through that wandering and then go into the promised land. So looking back, we have to be careful that we, we don't look back and are, are moved into a place of fear. But looking forward can be dangerous as well. Because we, we have a, an easy way of, of having a fear of obstacles and the unknowns and, and difficulties and hindrances. What, what is going to be? And, and those fears hinder our progress and goals. 
We see this in the nation of Israel as well. The nation of Israel, they've, they've done all this wandering around and they come. They're actually at the border of the promised land. God's promise. And they send out spies. And the spies come back with information about the promised land. And you see in scripture that they saw a good land. I mean, it even describes them cutting down a cluster of grapes so large that it was carried on a pole between two men. That's, that's huge, if you like grapes. They also say they were figs and pomegranates. And in chapter 14, Joshua tells the people the land is exceedingly good. A land of milk and honey. So here they are. They're at the border, ready to go into the land of milk and honey. But 10 of those spies gave a negative report. So they're looking forward, and the spies are looking forward, and here's what they say. Numbers 13, 32. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. Really? Hey, you know, everybody's great height when you're... You know, who... I'm short... But one of the things I found out, I actually did this. I started discovering this when I was in sixth grade. And I was being picked on all the time. And these these guys that just seemed like giants. And I discovered that a lot of big guys don't like it when, when some little guy gets right up there and gets in their face. They don't know what to do. Because everybody's intimidated. So I wouldn't be intimidated. Now, that didn't always work out well. Because I did get pounded a few times. But you know what? I will not be afraid of the giants. The spies looked and they went, ah. They were so filled with fear. And the people believed the report of those ten. They believed the fear. And they wanted to return to Egypt. They want their fear. Let's go back to Egypt. Do you realize what that means? They desired slavery and harsh labor in Egypt instead of the promised land flowing with milk and honey and seeing God do something absolutely amazing. Their looking forward became dangerous because they only saw with eyes of fear and doubt instead of eyes of faith and trust in God and going, man, my God is going to do something amazing. So here we are, we're, we're at a day when we, we look back and we look forward. Looking back and looking forward can also be positive. We see this in scripture as well. Looking back, we can, you can see the amazing verification of God's provision and intervention. Looking back, we see evidence that God is totally in control of this world. Why? When, when, when Israel's out there and they're, they're wandering in the desert and they're starting to grumble and they're causing trouble for Moses. They could have looked back and remembered the awesome, incredible miracle of the Red Sea parting. How huge is that? That's one of the biggest miracles ever seen on this planet. The water parts and the nation of Israel marches across on dry ground. 
Let's look back at that and go, wow, looking back is incredible because our God did that. They could look back at how God took care of them with what he provided for them to eat. Was that not a miracle? Manna coming from heaven. A totally, un, I mean, it just shows up. And, and then they got tired of that. Okay, whining about that. Whining about a miracle from God. And God in his patience and his love says, Okay, fine, we'll give you some quail. And the quail shows up. And they have all this quail to eat as well. God provided another astonishing miracle. Let's look at that. Let's look back that way. Looking back can help us to see the magnificent hand of God. And looking back can also become a teacher. Because looking back, we can go, wow, this is what God did. And looking back can also help us go, you know, when we did those things, which may not have had anything to do with God, that didn't work out well for us. So looking back can be a teacher to help us move forward. Helping us to not repeat mistakes. And to build on what God has done. What he has accomplished in us and through us. Looking forward is so positive too. It gives us a goal to meet. As humans, we need that. We, we need a, a plan to accomplish Looking forward can give greater meaning to this life and greater expectations for the glorious life that is to come with God. So as we we think about this, I think God really wants us to look back and to look forward. So what can FBC, what can this part of the body of Christ rejoice and celebrate about when we look behind? Now specifically, let's look behind to... 2023. 2023. We're going to be in 2024. Have you ever stopped and think about that? How Star Trek that is? <laughs> Stardate 2024. What? Yeah. Okay. Ah. All right. So here are some facts. And we're pretty close on these numbers. They're not absolutely perfect. But here's some facts that have taken place through the ministries of FBC. The ministries of FBC. That is not just Zach and I. Get that really good, okay? That's all of us, all of you. Every believer that says FBC is my church, here's the results that we can quantify from 2023, whatever year this is, okay? (laughs) Various ministries... How about this? At least, and again, we're not positive of the number. Okay. At least 25 people have come to the Lord in 2023. That's huge. That translates into eight baptisms. 13 new members have said, yeah, we're going to covenant with FBC and, and be with them. Youth group, the average in attendance for the year is 48. There were some, and and anybody, I'm looking at certain people who work on Wednesday nights with the youth. There were some nights where it was almost twice that 
in attendance. And they're all going, yeah, we remember. Okay. Now, why do I make a big deal out of that? 48. Let's compare. I, I know maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to. I have a good friend. He's a pastor in Colorado, and his church is roughly four times our size. Okay? Numbers-wise. Average Sunday attendance. He's got a full-time um, youth pastor, and they rarely can get 20 kids to show up. This is a really big God thing. This is God. Same thing with women's study. The, the women's ministry here is, is booming. We've got two women's Bible studies. And between the two, you put the two together, they're averaging 55 women a week. Whoa! That is huge. Mops. It's one of those ministries that I, I really think is very valuable. So we've got 50 women coming to the two sessions of Mops. Whoa! I was talking with one of the ladies that, that's helping with mops, and she's going, I, I come in there, and I don't have any idea what I'm doing. I just sit, and I just listen to some of those ladies talk. This is so important. These gals, a lot of them don't know Christ. Some of them just plain need that kind of encouragement. Fifty women are coming to that ministry. We've, we've had throughout the year five adult Sunday school classes. 54 adults have attended. There's children's Sunday school. Thank you, Ruth. And the other teachers. The, the average says 14, but remember when we're talking average, there's some Sundays when you go, I don't know where I'm going to put them. Right? Yeah. Children's church. I see Lori back there. You are amazing. That, that's been averaging 33. And I know there's some other Sundays when, when they're down there panic because there's so many. What do we do? As a church, we have, we have supported 10 missionaries. That's huge. That's all over the world. And there were five short-term missions trips. Now, that may not sound like many, five, but again... I think about how I relate to some of the other churches and pastors that I know. And there are churches that are larger than ours and have a long history of being in existence that have never gone on one. And I think that's wrong. Five short-term trips. That's, that, that excites me. It's, it needs to excite. I, I want everybody to stand up and be excited. We have this benevolence fund, and, and we use that to help people in need in a variety of different ways. 124 people have been helped through that fund in the past year. That's huge. Now, sometimes we don't see some of the results that we want, but just about every one of those 124 have been helped in some way, food or help with rent or whatever it is, and they have heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that we support weekly a jail ministry? Now, I don't think Zach is in here, but that's what Zach does every Thursday afternoon. We send him to jail. And the jail usually sends him back. 
But that is still a ministry of FBC. Now, I'm going I'm to say something about Zach and I. We're not what this is all about. He may be doing that jail ministry, but what is your ministry? There's five small groups meeting. A variety of different ways and styles and places. That's huge. That is so important to have those small groups. A whole bunch of us as FBC got together and put on another um, harvest party. And this year it was over 1,600 people. And I know there was a, a year or two ago, I don't know, we were closer to 2,000. That's a ministry to this community. It's not just a, a fun thing that we do at Halloween. It's ministry. Do you realize that on Friday we host a group that's called Classical Conversation? It's a program that enhances homeschooling and it all has a Christian base. And they come in here and those little brainiac kids are learning Latin and they're learning manners and they're learning stuff. And I come over here and go, whoa, you just said what? We host that. Another thing that we do as a church that, that is a ministry is hosting funerals and weddings. And, and yeah, Zach and I are usually the ones that will officiate a funeral, but it's FBC that puts that on, that does that. Twelve funerals in the past year. And there are numerous other events that we have participated in and shared in as a group our average Sunday attendance. We started the year around 160 average in the morning between the two services. That's changed. Our average Sunday morning attendance now is 179. Whoa. But it gets even better. So we've seen that steady growth. But right now... If you take the average of the past 17 weeks, our average is over 210 on Sunday mornings. We're going to surpass that this week as well. What this also means is something that we've got to, we've got to process. Well over 500 people use this facility that we're sitting in Every week, 500 people in and out and through and, and kids running around learning stuff and the, the Bible studies and everything going on. 500 people, it's actually over that in this facility. So if you look at the carpet, sometimes you go, well, you know, do we have anybody cleaning the church? Try to keep up with that. And we'll talk about some more about the carpet in a minute, but... <laughs> Holy, this is incredible. This is what God has done through FBC. So that's what we can go, wow, this is cool. This is what God's done. That's looking behind. And that should not generate any fear because what we should be able to do is go, only God does that kind of stuff through people that are his. So how do we look ahead? Now, the looking ahead part is very interesting as well, especially when we think in terms of, what we saw in the history of Israel, 
Two guys, Joshua and Caleb, could see by faith that God could give the people the land. They got it. They looked forward without fear. Numbers 14, 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunan, I'm not sure if that's correct, but who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. Have you ever wondered about that? So if, if I was a prophet and I'm proclaiming this morning, I can rip this pocket off. I'm not going to because I like this shirt. But what that meant, it meant a couple things. I am grieved. This is really important. And one of the things that would do in that culture, if you ripped your clothes. So if I'm standing here and I rip my pocket off, everybody would go, we need to pay attention to what he's saying. Okay, so that's what that means when Scripture says that these two guys tore their clothes. You need to pay attention. This is important. So they tore their clothes. Verse 7, they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. Bread there. What does it mean? We can eat them. We can destroy them. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. That's the looking forward. That's the good kind of looking forward. So as FBC, as the people of God, this, this part of the body of Christ, how will we respond when God lays a vision before us? Will we rebel against him and say that there's giants in the land? They're too great for us. We're just like grasshoppers. I look out here, I don't see a grasshopper in the room. I see people who are possessed by the Holy Spirit, who have been bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus. You are on the winning team. There is no one who can oppose you when you are in Christ and succeed. When God gives us a vision, are we going to be like Joshua who saw what God can do? Is that who we are? Do you remember? This is one of my favorite passages. This is from Joshua 1.9. I think you'll remember some of this. But is this how we will respond? Joshua 1.9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. 
Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Is that our response? When God says, here's what I want you to do. So here's some things that when I stop and I think, what do you want? And I look forward. I like to look forward. Sometimes when I look forward, it's scary. Sometimes I've shared some things with people and gone, you're scary. (laughs) When I look forward, one of the things I see is the church I love. This is the third church that I've been a senior pastor of, and this is the one I love the most. I love this church. So, when I look forward, I see FBC so strong in Jesus Christ that no matter how big the giants of the ungodly culture that's around us. No matter how big those giants grow around us, FBC continues to preach the gospel proactively, purposely, to rescue people from the kingdom of darkness and an eternity in hell. That's who we need to be. That's the the biggest thing on my list, is to be a people that preach and proclaim the gospel. I see FBC as a beacon set on a hill for all to see. Not to fill us with pride. I don't care what people see in me. I want them to see Jesus. I want FBC to shine on a hill so that God's greatness, His power, His love, His mercy, His grace, and His glory are are visible in such an increasing way That the increasing darkness around us means nothing. We have the message. We have the truth. And in this, I see the people that I I love choosing to alter their lifestyles for the building up of the body of Christ. Sacrificing time and money so others can be saved from hell and encouraged to grow in their faith. I see FBC taking on ministry projects so big, so big, only God can accomplish them. I don't want to do stuff I can get. I I don't want to do stuff that I know I have the strength to do. I want to do stuff with God so that he looks good, so that we can go, only God could have done what just happened. That's what I want us to be. Now, those big projects, you know, oh, here it comes. You know, one of the things I see that, based on what's happening, is is a need to expand this facility. Why? So we can have a, you know, a bigger, it's for ministry. 
It's like a tool. We need to accommodate more opportunities for gathering, fellowship, training, ministry, and worship. And this is wearing out. We need to think of this building as a tool. I like to work in my shop, and I've got a whole bunch of different tools. And, and there's a couple of them that uh, Sam and I were in there yesterday. We're going, so how are we going to make this work? Because it's worn out. And I do a couple things when the tools are worn out. I try to fix them, or I replace them. I've got this really cool saw on order. We're wearing this tool out. So what are we going to do? No matter what we do. I mean, I mentioned the carpet earlier, but you can't even clean it anymore. It's worn out. Why is it worn out? Because the ministry of God has been preceding 500 people a week in any facility and your carpet gets worn. Another big one that I see. That, that, these are two of the biggest things I can see that we, we have to step back and go, God will do that. And here's another one that is huge. Let's be a church that says, you know what? Let's plant a church. Let's plant a church on the reservation or in Belize or in Costa Rica or Panama. Somewhere. Let's plant a church. And when I say plant a church, that doesn't mean let's send Zach off. Maybe somebody here. Let's do it. Not for our glory, but for the glory of the kingdom of God. I see a people so in love with Jesus and so excited about the power of God working in and through them that there's no more struggle with the conflicts and strife within the church body. And maybe I'm selfish about that, but I get tired of it. I want to see God move in the lives that call this FBC, that we just go, you know, I'm going to prefer somebody else over me, and we're just going to see to it that we get along. It doesn't glorify God when we go, well, well, she said that. Or, well, he did that without asking. Wait a minute. What are we here for? We're here to glorify God. We're here to proclaim the gospel. All of us together moving forward. We're here to build one another up and instruct one another in in righteousness so that we grow in who we are in Christ. And when we're together, without those conflicts, the world will see the glory of God. They'll, They'll see the glory of God in how we treat one another. How we serve one another and help one another. And that's going to become more and more obvious because the world around us does not see that anywhere. Nowhere will they see that kind of love and compassion between people. I think it's clear that we know the times ahead are going to be more and more difficult as society rejects God. I I watch news. I listen to it. I I have an app on my phone. Maybe I spend too much time there. Society is rejecting God. It's going to get worse. And when I go to Scripture, Scripture says, yeah, it's going to get worse. It will not recover. This is society as a whole. Everywhere in the world. 
society is going to get worse. So what does that do inside of you? That, does, does that make, cause you panic? I'm going to go find a whole bunch of stuff and hide out in my basement. It shouldn't. We know the times are going to be what they are, but do we also remember that our God is sovereign? He is in control and nothing will stop his kingdom. So when we see these things around us, are we excited that no matter what happens around us, God wins? And because he wins, we're his, he bought us, we belong in his family, we win. We're on the winning team. I don't want to be on a losing team. Come on. Right? So when we see stuff happening around us, it needs to motivate us to go, yeah, I'm on the winning team. And it needs to motivate us because there's a lot of people in that mess that are going to hell. Do we care? God cannot fail. We're his. We're on his team. What does it mean? We're doing his work. And his work is to proclaim the gospel and to teach the truth of God's word. God's presence here on earth is seen in and through his people. So as we move forward, our our goal, we need to rethink some of this. and, And I think Americans in particular have a struggle sometimes because our goal as this part of the body of Christ, as the church, our goal is not to confront culture in some of the ways that I think we want to go. Altering our culture sounds good, and and it's not like I'm opposed to that. But if you take an honest evaluation of Scripture, Scripture will teach us that we have a much greater mission. The mission of the church, the local church... The church as a whole, the mission is not to impact our culture by changing their moral values or creating traditional family values through legislation. We can pray for those things, and I'm not saying any of those are bad. But the mission of the church, even how appealing it may sound to change that culture, is to be focused on people coming to Christ. Here's why. Does it matter if someone lives under an absolute, perfect, theologically based Christian government and goes to hell? It's no more worse than if that person were living under an extremely oppressive system in government and they go to hell. The bottom line is, they're going to hell. That's what needs to matter. Our only agenda needs to be that people need to be saved out of the darkness. This is our agenda. And I really believe the best way you begin to manipulate or change culture is one heart at a time. You may not have some of the massive changes we'd like to see. People need to not go to hell. Do you agree? We've been left here to do that. P. 
Peter writes this in 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The you there is all of us in this room and all of the people on this planet who proclaim Jesus Christ to be their Savior. We are priests. Or priestesses. Got to be careful. Why? We are, we, we, the church, are a nation of priests. Well, remember that God could have set things up so that the moment you came to Christ, he takes you to heaven. You accept Jesus Christ and he goes, yeah, poof. You're vaporized right into the presence of God. That's not how he set this up. His way is that you come to Christ and you're placed, baptized. You're inserted into the body of Christ. Why? For his glory. So that you would become one who proclaims. You're a priest. Okay, well, what, what do priests do? There's really two parts to being a priest. One of them, the most amazing one is that as priests, our function is to take people and help them and encourage them and come alongside of them and move them into the presence of God. That's the priesthood. All of us should be doing that. The other part of a priest, priest's function is to take what they understand about God and bring that to people to help them understand how great and glorious and mighty and supremely powerful God is. So there's this two-way thing going. That's why we're here. That's who we are. Peter says, you are. Who's the you? The body of Christ. So what is the big issue? The issue is salvation. Yes, I understand we get people saved. We also have to have them grow. But you know what? You're never going to have people grow if they don't get saved. We're here to preach Christ and to know nothing except Christ and Him crucified. I look forward so much to the people of the church living purposely to exalt the Word of God, gloriously displaying God's saving power. The dark world around us is going to grow darker. That dark world needs desperately to know that God can save people from hell. God can transform hearts and change lives. And one way we convince people of God's transformational power is how we live and how we relate to Christians and non-Christians. Non-Christians, unbelievers, they are not our enemy. As a matter of fact, you know, we could say Satan is our enemy. Okay, we could go there and there's some scriptural evidence. Okay, even if we go there, who wins? We do. So the unbelievers are doing whatever they're doing. Who wins? We do. The church wins. Who wins? God wins. He's got this. So in a way, there, there are no enemies. There are people who 
Scripture says, are dead in their sins and they're living in darkness. They need what we have so they can be rescued from the eternal separation from God. Does that matter to us as we look forward? We need to be a people of loving brothers and sisters in Christ that manifest the power of God in a transformed life. Oneness and, and unity in the, in the church is an incredible powerful witness to those in darkness. Because they can look here and they go, wow, you all get along? Man, that doesn't even happen at work. And in some cases, that doesn't even work. Unity at home? I think it's obvious that we can all agree that we live in an increasingly pagan culture. But I want you to think about this. Let's think about this idea of a pagan culture. The Gentile world that surrounded the Apostle Paul and the early church was blatant, open paganism. Until the gospel was preached. Where did they go with it? They went into paganism. Paul and the other apostles, where did they go? They went into paganism and they brought the gospel. Then, then the church, as it grew, what did they do? They took the gospel wherever into paganism. The darkness of the world. That's repeated over and over and over as you, as you look through the New Testament and the history of the church. Where did the church go? Into blatant paganism. Darkness. And while in that culture, Paul and the other apostles and the early church, never ever do you find anything written about changing the morals of the culture. They don't give us instructions about how to impact our culture somehow. Why? The message was evangelize, give people the gospel proclaim the truth of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. There isn't anywhere you're going to find a, a call for uh, raising up a, a, a protest, a, a war against existing mentality. I know that it'd be nice to go do some warfare against certain people. I read the news and I go, well, I'd like to go talk to them. That's fine if in going to talking to them, it is to show them the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel. You see that all through the New Testament. God's call was for the preaching of the gospel. Peter, John, Paul, all of them preach the gospel because it's the gospel that transforms life and the godly living of believers inside and outside the church is a practical example of God's power. Everywhere you go, that's who you are. So what do we see when we look forward? Do we see things of fear? That can take on a lot of different aspects. You know? Whoa! What does that mean financially? Who cares? My father owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. It's his business. If he says go do, he's going to provide. Divisiveness? Well, I don't know if I could do that with so-and-so. Wait a minute. We're all equal at the cross. Aren't we? 
Many of the things that become fear and difficulties and giants in the land, and when we look forward, are because of spiritual immaturity. Let's mature and be the people of God. Another place that that we get this, this negative look forward is because we're too busy to grow up in Christ. And some of that's based on fear as well. Many have a fear of change. A fear of change. If something doesn't change, it's dead. Although dead things do change too. It's called decay and decomposition. So there's a positive and negative to change. Well, change. Why should we fear change? Just because of an unknown? My father knows. God knows. Is, is our difficulty with moving forward with something huge and big and magnificent or stepping out into some area of ministry because of our selfish desire to just keep what we have and remain the same? What challenge is there in that? When we as people live in fear, we need to understand that fear is an emotional response to unbelief. Last time I checked, God hates unbelief. Living in fear stops faith and fertilizes and encourages anxiety and it bolsters depression. Fear in a local church is like a cancer. We, the body of Christ, FBC, we have been called to do the Lord's work in the Lord's way. That ought to get us tremendously excited, knowing that the creator of the universe, God himself, has said, would you come work with me? I want to work in you and through you, and you're a part of my huge, massive plan that cannot fail. Does that excite you? Does it excite you to have a vision of the biggest reward, which is the glory of God? How big is that reward? Are you looking for that? One of my most precious expectations, I hope, rewards that I want is to stand before God and have him say, well done, faithful servant. That's the church I want to be with. I want all of us to be standing there and have him say, FBC, well done. So I want us to go. And here's, here's part of what needs to drive us to go. This is from Romans 8. This is precious. Paul writes, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's go knowing that God will not fail us and he will succeed. Brothers and sisters, let's go. Father, thank you that you own us, you bought us, you you purchased us. And in that you love us and care for us and protect us. Father, you have so much for us. Holy Spirit, stir us up that we would be like Isaiah and say, here I am, send me. 
Lord, let us press on to see your hand move, to rescue people from darkness, to see people grow in Christ and have their lives transformed. Father, all of that because of you, that you would be glorified. Ah, Father, you are magnificent. Let us live that way every day. In Christ's name, amen.